accounts, Bible stories, I'm so thankful that God doesn't whitewash the heroes that are in the Bible. Simon Peter is a Christian hero. But Simon Peter had a dismal fall, made a humongous mistake. And we're going to look at that today. Mark 14, I'm going to talk to you about Peter's denial. It happened the night Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver by somebody who had followed him for three years. Now it says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus. And he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Where are you coming from, girl? Okay. And he went out into the entryway. But then when the servant girl saw him in the entryway, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them because you're a Galilean. He began to, uh-oh, he went on a blue streak and he started cussing. You know why he did it? Because he's, he, he's wanting them to be convinced that he was not part of the Holy One. So he's cussing. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, Peter, twice you will disown, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. He broke down and wept. One of the gospel writers says he went out and wept bitterly. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, all of us can do what Simon Peter did and have done it on one level or another. Lord, he was so weak at this moment, and we have been weak. Lord, I pray that as we look at his story and what you did with him and through him and how he was restored, that the hand of restoration would be upon people today who have drifted from Jesus, denied Jesus, walked away from Jesus in some way or another in their lifestyle. And thank you for your precious word, Lord, and for calling us that are far from you home again. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, perk up and listen. You're going to need this by tomorrow morning. <laughs> All righty. Um, now, we all know the setting of this is the crucifixion is looming. Jesus has been arrested for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And he's already being mistreated physically with Peter and some of the others watching from a distance. And they're slapping him. They're ramming that crown of thorns down on his glorious head. He is already bleeding. His beard is always be, already being plucked out. He's already being hit in the face with a fist. And it's hard for me to read it to this day. It's difficult for me to read it. How our Savior was abused for us. Now, the Bible makes a point of telling us that Peter and John, two of the inner three, have followed him from a distance. The Bible makes a point of saying they followed from a distance as all these things were happening to him as he was being subjected to all of this. And it, when I read that this week, it occurred to me that's the only time in all the Gospels you read 
of these two men following Jesus from a distance. They were always close, right there. Lord, if that's you, call me and I'll walk on the water. I want to be where you are. Peter and John were always right there in Jesus' shadow, but now they're at a distance. And it struck me, being at a distance is when they made their worst mistakes. And it's when they were their weakest. It's when we follow from a distance that we really weaken in our resolve and are inclined to compromise our our faith. So that struck me. At a distance, they became so weak and they compromised and they became defeated. Now, Peter, true to form, had already sworn to Jesus that he was never going to deny him. You know Simon Peter. It says in the Bible that before he thought, he spoke. That was Simon Peter. Uh, he, He just said it and then thought about what he'd said after he said it. And Simon Peter, when Jesus said, you're all going to deny me, you're all going to be, stumble because of me, G, uh, Peter said, even if all are made to stumble, I won't be, not me, Lord, I'm there. Jesus, as a prophet, looked down the tunnel of time, just a few hours, but it doesn't really matter if you're looking a few hours down the tunnel of time or centuries down the tunnel of time. A prophet is a prophet, and he prophesied of something that would happen in a few hours. He said, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Now look at what Jesus knew. He knew that Simon Peter would be approached three times. He also knew that after his third denial, a rooster was going to crow for the second time. So Jesus, who doesn't live, he was God. He doesn't live in time. He didn't live in time then. He, he, like God, lives in an ever-present reality. There is no time. He lives in the present tense, future and past. And Jesus saw the future, saw a rooster on the scene, saw three people approaching Peter, and saw Peter three times denying the Lord, and then the rooster crowing, not once but twice. What an amazing Savior we worship. Peter did exactly what Jesus said, and he did it spectacularly. You know, when Peter was going to do something, he did it with all of his might, and he denied the Lord three times, just as Jesus had predicted on the third time, calling down swearings and cursing. And Luke points out, only Luke points out, that on the third denial, when the rooster crowed twice, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Now, I would call that in all caps, the look. The look you don't ever, how many of you can say, there have been times, Pastor Jeff, I felt that look. When I messed up, when I denied him, hey, come on, come on, come on. Isn't that a look? Now, I, I believe that that look stayed with Peter the rest of his life. When Jesus turned and looked at him, it cut through him like a dagger. And that's why the Bible says he didn't just go out and weep. He went out and wept bitterly with racking sobs he wept. Things happened fast after that. Jesus was subjected to the equivalent of a kangaroo court and ultimately sentenced to the harshest death sentence available in that day, death by crucifixion, a horrible way to die. We see that at one point, John did get a little bit closer because there were some women around the cross, Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, 
And John got close enough for Jesus to look at him and say, Behold your mother, and to Mary, Mary, behold your son. And, and he gave John responsibility over his mother. So Jesus, even on the cross, suffering like he did, thought of others. Unselfish to the end. And so the drama goes on. Even though John was at the cross, Peter was nowhere to be found. Why? Because he was covered in shame. The outspoken, swashbuckling, water-walking, type-A personality Simon Peter was off somewhere weeping bitterly over what he had done. And I want to take a look at this for a minute because, see, I see in Peter, you and me, me and you, us, I'm so glad the Bible tells us the truth about this man and what he did. Didn't try to make him a hero. Tells us about his fall. This was the worst failure of Peter's life. He had failures. He could all, and he, like anybody, could look back on failures in his life, but this took the cake. This was the worst failure of his life. It was Peter who had blurted out the revelatory words, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter, or Jesus had been so thrilled with that, and he said, Simon, Simon, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wasn't saying it was on Peter he was going to build the church, but on the revelation that Peter had. That it was going to be that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that truth, his church is built. And that is what the gates of hell cannot assail. Now... But this was Peter. He, he, Jesus bragged on him. It was this same Simon Peter who had been told by Jesus that even though you're impulsive and compulsive and kind of unstable like water, Peter, I'm going to make you like a rock. It was Peter who had dared to walk on water when everybody else sat in the boat. We talk about him sinking. I want to talk about him walking. That man walked on water. It was Peter who was among the select three that Jesus called, Peter, James, and John. Come on, boys. I'm going up into a mountain, and only you are going to see what happens to me, and you're not going to talk about it until I'm resurrected from the dead. And up there, he was transformed in front of them, and his clothes became glistening white as snow, like no bleach could make them white. And all of a sudden, standing next to him was Elijah on one side and Moses on the other, Elijah representing the prophets and Moses representing the law. And Jesus is conversing with the two of them. And Simon Peter, not knowing what to say, said, Uh, 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 Lord, should we build three huts, one for you, one for Moses? One for Elijah. And God said, essentially, hush, Peter, and listen to my son. It was this same Simon Peter. I don't know him. I don't know him. Blankety, blankety, blank. I don't know him. The Greek word he used for know is, I have never even been around him. Total disassociation. Total denial, total separation. Now, Peter would have told anybody prior to Jesus' arrest. He would have told anybody, hey, I'm all in with the Lord. If anybody forsakes him, they may do it. Not me. I'll never do it because I am all in. This man has grabbed my heart. He has has become my life. I walked away from my boat, my fishing tackle, my career, everything to follow him. No way I would ever deny Jesus. No way. I love him. 
He's my guy. And I believe he's the Christ. This is what he believed about himself. About his own heart. I know my heart, he thought. This is what I believe about my own heart. I can tell when I love somebody. I can tell when I've got affection for someone. And it's there for Jesus. For Peter, it was impossible to imagine he would do what he did. He would walk away from Jesus in Jesus' greatest hour of need. He said, man, they may do it, but not me, Lord. I'm your man. You got me. With you to the end. Blood brothers. But he did. He did. In denying the Lord, Peter came face to face with himself. His own human weakness, his own human frailties. Suddenly, when the pressure was on, the heat was on, he saw Jesus being beaten. He could tell this was serious. Suddenly, his future or lack thereof flashed in front of him. And he said, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Not only is he in trouble, but anybody who was with him is guilty by association. And suddenly, he was flooded with fear, and his weakness came on him. His humanness came on him rose up in him, and he backed down. And this is where he reminds us of ourselves. We've all failed the Lord, right when we didn't think we could. I can remember when I first got saved and and filled with the Holy Spirit, and boy, Jesus became my all in all, and I just thought I could never love anyone more than I loved Jesus. But it didn't take long for me to realize I still had flesh. I still had weaknesses. I was still a human being. And even though I wanted to be all these things, I realized I had to deal with Jeff. You know, your biggest enemy isn't the devil, it's you. That is your flesh. Your flesh. Because if there wasn't any flesh, Satan wouldn't have anything to work with. This is where Peter reminds us of ourselves. We've all done something. We've all fallen short. We've all in our own way denied him. You don't have to say, I deny him. You can deny him by your actions. You can deny him by, by the way you live. You can deny him by whether or not you talk about him, stand for him, live for him. You can deny him in many different ways. That's why I'm so glad the Bible tells the truth about Simon Peter. When the pressure is on, isn't it easy to distance ourselves from him when it's the family, or it's the neighbor, or it's people whose opinion we care about, people at work, or the culture itself. That's why this message is so timely today. Let me tell you why it's timely. Because persecution fever is rising in America. And if you're not aware of that, you're in the right place today because I'm going to inform you. It's not what it used to be. No, 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 it's not. There is a tide of persecution rising in America. Persecution, uh, I wouldn't call it a persecution madness, but I would call it a persecution inclination. It's, it's not what it used to be. It used to be if you said you were a Christian and went to church, that was to be expected. Oh, that's great. You're a good guy. But now if you say you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, you are persecuted, mocked, ridiculed, ostracized, rejected, in some places more than others, but folks, it's growing. And it's growing for our teenagers and growing for our children in their schools. My heart goes out to any teenager in junior high or high school. Now, man, do they need Jesus? I mean, do they need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might? 
because they're facing a level of deception and attack against their values and their Christ that I never knew. So here's Simon Peter, and I, and I want to ask a question. I wonder how many of us would have done differently had we been in his shoes. I like to think that I would say, oh, no, you're, you're right, little girl, and the maiden at the fire. You're right. I was with him. Sure, I love him. I, hey, I'm there with Jesus. I wish I would. I, I, I would like to know that I would say that. But I know this about me. If the grace of God weren't on me and the Holy Spirit was not filling me, that would not be what I would do. See, isn't it the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that makes us strong? That's why the Bible said, Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your human weakness. My strength is made perfect in your human weakness. The days are coming in this country, church, where some of you and, and myself are going to have to make a decision. Am I going to stand with the Lord, or am I going to do what Simon Peter did? Follow from a distance and weaken be weakened, and not speak up for him. That, that's coming to the church in America. All over the world, Christians are being martyred as we speak right now, losing their heads, losing their lives, losing their family. We should be praying for them because that same darkness can come this way. And will we be like Simon Peter? Well, it'll sure be a temptation. Peter's world at this point, when he said, don't know him, don't know him, blankety-blank, don't know him, his life crashed in around him right then and there. I know what he was thinking. Is the Lord done with me? Oh, I can't believe what I did. He, he, and Jesus looked at him, that look. Right before he went to the cross, he looked at him. He looked at Simon Peter. Had he thrown away his calling in a moment of weakness? He was thinking that, wondering that. Keep in mind that Peter wasn't even clear yet about the resurrection. So, so this occurred to me this week as I was studying this, that as far as Peter knew, his denial of the Lord to the Lord's face where the Lord looked at him was the last interaction he had with him before he died. Because he wasn't clear about the resurrection. So don't you know it crushed him that this man that he had followed for three years and, who, who, and, and had expressed his love to him and his devotion to him, his commitment to him, that the last thing he said... I don't know him, don't know him, never knew him. Don't you know that just ran a number on him? The question for us today is how, how do you recover from a bad fall? When you really fail the Lord, how do you recover? When you do something, go somewhere, slip into a time when you seem to lose touch with your faith. How, how do you recover from that? Can you recover from that? Because the enemy is so quick to come to us and say, you blew it, you went over the line, you went too far, God's done with you, finished with you, he's not going to have another thing to do. You gave it all up, your destiny is gone, you might as well pack it in, you might as well live like the world because there's no use in you seeking God. But I'm going to give you a word today. It's never over till God has had his say. Never over. Now, now, I did a little thinking about that. I tried to put myself in Peter's sandals. And I, I thought, if I could have gone up to him and said, Peter, how are you feeling? Tell me, tell me your thoughts after this denial. Here, here's what I conjecture, and I'm taking poetic license, but I think this is a pretty good guess. If I'd asked him, what do you think your future holds, Peter? 
Here's what I think he might have said. You know, Jeff, I'm totally confused. I'm heartbroken. I'm disappointed in myself in a way that I can't describe to you. Everything was going so well when suddenly circumstances and events just went crazy. And now everything is just upside down, topsy-turvy. Life isn't making any sense. And during that awful time of confusion and uncertainty, I denied my Lord not once, not twice, Jeff, but thrice. Was my failure fatal? Was it final? I don't know. Tell you the truth. I don't see much of a future for myself right now. I denied the Lord. He was my future. I denied the Lord. My future was him. He's the one that said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He's the one that said, follow me, and I'm going to make you into something you would never have been without me. Follow me. I'm going to change your name. Follow me. Now, I think that was Peter's view, and I can conjecture that because he was a human being. But what did Jesus think of his fallen disciple? Because that's what really matters. It's not what we think or others think, but what does he think? Right? What does he think? What's on his mind? What's his take on me and you after we really blow it? What is Jesus thinking? Well, Jesus had already foreseen what he was going to do. So Jesus was not shocked. It's like I say often, God never says, oops, and he never says, well, I'll be. Nothing. Because God knows you're going to do it before you do it. So he doesn't ever say, well, I'll be. I didn't see that coming. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. See, here's the deal. Satan was not after making something go bump in the night or out to give Peter a bad day. Satan was after his faith. That's what he's always after. He wants to rob us of our faith because if he can get our faith where we no longer believe, we no longer trust, we're leaning on ourselves, we're walking away, we're walking at a distance from him. If he can get our faith, then he can get our effectiveness. And if he can get our, our effectiveness, he can quench our testimony to the day that we die. He was after his faith. But isn't it good to know Jesus said, I got you covered, Peter. Peter. I'm praying for you. And you know where Jesus is right now? He's on the right-hand side of God the Father making intercession for you and for me. Isn't that good? Amen. And he said, and when you have turned back, Peter, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I looked up that little phrase, turn back this morning before I came to church. Do you know what it literally means? That you will return to the one you left? Peter, I'm praying for you. I know what you're going to do. You're going to weaken and you're going to crash. And you're going to sell out and you're going to compromise. I know it, Peter. I see it. And I know exactly how it's going to happen. I see the whole scenario like I'm watching a movie. But Peter, I'm praying for you that when you turn back to me, not only do you turn back, but you become so strong, you become a leader and strengthen others. And that's a good word for anybody in here who has fallen and you think God's done with you. Amen? We see in the story that the Lord was far from finished with Peter. All that had really happened here was that the headstrong, self-confident, cocky Simon Peter had all of those self-oriented things knocked right out of him. You know, it's always a great day when you come to the end of yourself. Amen? It's a great day. We, you know, we live in a culture that's all about self. There's even a magazine called 
self. The only time I see it is when I'm in the line at the, at the store. There it is, self. And it's all glorifying self. But Jesus said, yourself is what gets you in all your trouble. Jesus said, I want you to crucify yourself and live unto me. But that's another message. Peter came to the end of himself. He was humbled in the presence of his spectacular fall. Peter saw himself as a failure. But let me tell you what Jesus saw. A man who could now be more useful in kingdom work. When you come to the end of yourself. Man, I gave it my best shot and I messed up. Lord, what can I do? And the Lord says, I've been waiting to hear that. Lean on me. Lean on me. Isn't that a song? It just started going through my mind. It's not about Jesus, but we could use it that way. Lean on me. I'm not a singer. When you're not strong, Jesus said, abide in me and let my words abide in you and you will bring forth much fruit. So it's all about all him and none of me. Now, we no longer sense in Peter after this that self-confident strut we were so familiar with when it came to him. Gone is the braggadocious attitude, the self-assured swagger, the impulsive, overconfident personality. Now, a beautiful uh, scenario begins to stretch out before us at this point in Peter's life. He's failed. He's feeling horrible. He's come to the end of himself. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. And the first thing we see is Jesus sought to restore him. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm done with you. You really blew it. See you later. I'll find another one. I said, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, Peter. I haven't lifted my hand off of you. I'm so glad you've come to the end of yourself because now you're going to lean on me. So he sought to restore him. One thing that's always blessed me is in Mark's gospel only, it says that the women went to the tomb to anoint his body for burial, but they encountered an angel. An angel was sitting where Jesus had been laid. And the angel said to the women, you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. I want us to warm up for Easter because when I read those three words, I get excited. Can we say together, he is risen? Are you ready? One, two, three. He is risen. That's the greatest announcement ever made in the annals of history. He is risen. That's what the angel said. And then he said, watch this. He said, now go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. Now I read that and I go, wait a minute. Here is an angel announcing the resurrection of the Son of God from the dead. He's telling his, his disciples to meet him in Galilee. And yet he pauses to insert two words about one man and Peter. Why did the angel do that? Why did he mention Simon Peter? Well, clearly because all of heaven had seen his fall. And all of heaven knew about his state of mind. Depressed, discouraged, defeated, down on himself, condemned. And all of heaven was still for this man. And all of heaven is still for you. That's why the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his only son, but gave him up for his all. How will he not through him freely give us all things? Clearly, this word from the angel was designed to let Peter know, hey, you're still in the game. He had not been rejected by the Lord. Now, it gets really, really powerful right here. You see, Simon Peter 
needed to be restored. Now, let me tell you what that means. When he denied the Lord, he damaged his soul. Your soul is the most viable part of you. Your soul is you. Your body is just something your soul walks around in. But you have a soul, and guess what? That soul is eternal. It's going to live forever in one place or the other, heaven or hell. That's what Jesus said. And that soul can be wounded like your body can be wounded. It can be cut. It can be bruised. It can be damaged. And it needs to be restored. It needs to be healed. It needs to be made whole. And so Jesus knew, my disciple, I haven't lifted my hand off of him, but I'm not going to be able to use him till he's restored. So Simon Peter had said to the other disciples, he said, I'm going fishing. Well, that was against what Jesus said. He said, I want you to meet me in Galilee. Being on the lake was an act of disobedience. But Simon Peter was not in the mood to be obedient. He said, I'm going fishing. What was he saying? I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to what I knew. I'm going back to what is familiar to me. I blew it so bad, I might as well start fishing again and return to my boat and return to my trade. So they're out in a a boat, and they fish all night long, and they don't catch a thing. Anybody in here ever fished all night and caught nothing? I have. I have. Well, there's nothing more frustrating. And how many of you out there, when you weren't catching anything, said, Lord, send the fish. You did it in the Bible. Send the fish to me. I've done that too. And for some reason, he didn't answer that prayer all the time. Okay. But all night, they catch nothing. Now, all of a sudden, as the sun rose, there's this lone stranger standing on the seashore and he asked a question now they don't recognize that it's Jesus but it's Jesus and I see him needling them a little bit because they've returned to their old life they've walked away They, they, they didn't believe in his resurrection or anything he said hey friends have you caught any fish yuck 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 because he knew and you know I I love the answer it wasn't man we really tried they just weren't biting none of that no He said, cast on the right side, and you will find some. What? Okay. They take that net, and they throw it on the right side. Well, see, Jesus is the one that called two of every kind to the ark. So Jesus can call all the fish on that side of the Sea of Galilee to that boat. And that net went down, and all of a sudden there was a tug, and they started, and they could not pick it up for the number of fish that were in it. And John connected the dots, and John said, It's the Lord. Because they remembered about three years before that, that same voice had told them to do the same thing, and they'd had the same results. Because where Jesus is, there's abundance and there is success. And so. He said, it's the Lord. Well, Simon Peter didn't even want to wait. Simon Peter just dove in and he starts swimming to shore and he beats the boat. But what is he going to say when he gets there? Hey, Lord, it's me. Yeah, it's me. I denied you. You know what I see happening in Peter? He can't wait to get it right. Jesus says, sit down, Simon Peter. It's time to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. There's fish crackling on a frying pan, which tells me the Lord was not a vegan. I'm just throwing that out. And 
He starts asking him a question. Now, remember, Peter had denied Jesus three times, and Jesus is going to ask him now a question three times. Simon, Simon, son of John, listen to this first one. Do you love me more than these? Now, the three questions have a little bit of difference in each of them. Though it's the same gist, there's something a little different about all three. This first one, he says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Now, some believe that the these means fish, nets, boats, your occupation. You know, you're really into fishing, Simon Peter. It seems to be what you love and you have a natural affinity for. I want to know, do you love me more than these? Others think he meant the other disciples. Because Peter had said, though all of these forsake you, I won't. He's essentially saying there, I love you more than they do. So Jesus looks at him after his failure and says, Peter, do you want to reiterate to me that you love me more than these? Here's what he was saying to him. You didn't, did you? Come to Jesus' meeting. Then he said a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? He stopped right there. No ending. No added addendum. Just do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then shepherd my sheep. But here's the deal. We have a word play going on here. In the Greek language, you don't see this in an English Bible, but in the Greek language, here's what Jesus is asking him. Simon, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me with supreme love? The highest form of love is, is agape. God so loved the world. God so agape the world. God so loved. It's the highest form of love. If you have agape love, you really supremely love somebody. He said, do you agape me, Peter? And he replied, Lord, you know that I phileo you. That's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's from the root phileo, which means have affection for. It's way lower than agape. Now look what Peter's doing. Jesus, do you love me supremely? Peter, well, Lord, you know, I'm not going to step out of bounds. I'm not going to boast or brag. I have affection for you. The second time, Peter, do you love me supremely? Lord, I have affection for you. You and I both know I did not manifest agape. Now the third time, Jesus says to him, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you even have affection for me? That's why it says in the Bible, Peter was grieved at the third question. Because the third question was saying, Peter, your conduct doesn't convince me that you even have affection. You know what he's having to do? He's having to have a real moment of self-examination and self-honesty. Our Savior is a real Savior. And you know what? If you've been a Christian for very long, you realize things get down to real before long. Why didn't God answer some of those prayers? Why doesn't it seem like he was with me in that? Why this? Why that? I'm a real person, a real human with real questions, and I need real answers. And here's Simon Peter. He's saying, Lord... I didn't come through. And the reason I didn't come through, I didn't have agape for you. I thought I did, but I didn't. Then Jesus 
gives the terms of the agreement. And I'm going to close with this. Here's what this interaction between Jesus and Peter comes down to. God requires us to give all. His call to us is for all of us. Did he, here's what he was asking, did he and do we love Jesus Christ more than anything else? That's what he was asking, more than these? You love me more than these, Peter? Did you love me more than your fear? Did you stand up for me when the pressure was on? That's the question he was asking Peter. Peter tried to claim that he did, and Jesus questioned his claim. Now, he's not condemning him. Please let me be clear about that. He's just dealing in reality with him. This required tough self-examination on Peter's part, and there are going to be times in your life and mine where we're going to have to examine. Paul said, examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. Churches are full of people who are there, but they're not saved. There comes a time where our Jesus is the greatest psychologist that ever lived because he gives Peter, Peter three denials. He gives him three questions, three chances for a positive affirmation so that he could be healed in his confession of Jesus. Do you love me more than anything else, Peter, or anyone else? And we could ask ourselves today, more than father, more than mother, more than family, more than education, more than fame and fortune. Are you ready? Here's the biggie. More than yourself? Do you love me more than yourself? That's hard, isn't it? Because you know what? Deep down, we love us. We do. Hey, we're out for number one, and most of the time number one is here. We know that Peter's spiritual maturity reached this place. It wasn't there at this time. The good news is it reached that place. He said in 1 Peter 2, 7 when he wrote letters, to those who believe Christ is precious, meaning he is valuable above all others like a precious jewel. So he got there, but he wasn't there when Jesus went ahead and sent him into ministry anyway. You know what? If you sit around waiting for you to get perfect, you're never going to minister. You're never going to witness. You're never going to step out. God uses imperfect people all the time. You're looking at one right here. Imperfect in all caps. Just ask Kathy. (laughs) How many of you have realized that one of the accelerated ways to become mature in Christ is to get married? Right? Because you've got to become a good forgiver and you've got to grow up fast or ain't, ain't going to make it. Now, that's free too. I'm not going to stay there. That's for another Sunday. But you want to really grow in Jesus? Get married. You're going to have to. But now, the story ends with Peter's full restoration. He's fully restored. He served the Lord all the days of his life and he died a martyr's death. Jesus had said to him after this restoration, he said, Simon, let me tell you something. He said, up to now... When you were young, you went where you wanted and did what you wanted to do. But when you're old, somebody's going to take you where you don't want to go and do with you what you don't want done. He was predicting the way he would die because later, years later, Simon Peter was arrested and Simon Peter was hung upside down on a cross at his own insistence. He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior died. So they hung him upside down and that is historically accurate. They hung him upside down. So what Jesus had told him, they're going to take you where you don't want to go and do with you what you don't want done. 
turned out true. And only somebody with agape love for their Savior could do that. He reached it. But he got there by abiding in the vine. Can we stand together today? And let me just recap this with you standing. And please don't go because we're going to have a prayer in just a moment. And there are people whose hearts are being dealt with right now. So please don't go and and interrupt anybody. You're not going to miss anything. Now, here's number one. If you have fallen and failed the Lord, he wants to restore you. Two, restoration might require some tough personal honesty about where your affections really lie. And third, great things await on the other side of your restoration. Because Peter went from restoration into his finest hour. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, he didn't choose John, he didn't choose Mark, he didn't choose Andrew. He fell upon Peter, and Peter, the restored, fallen, backslidden disciple stood up and preached the gospel for the very first time in Christian history and 3,000 people came to Christ in one three-minute message. Now that ought to encourage you. Amen? So let's pray together. Please bow with me for a moment of prayer. Father, how we need you today. We're weak, Lord, and we admit we're weak. Thank you that in that weakness you're strong. But, Lord, there's people here who have failed you, who have denied you in one way or another, and who have felt like, well, my future's over. How can I pray? How can I really be all God wanted me to be? Lord, I'm praying that that person is restored today. And, Lord, there are some here who have never, never been sure that they are yours. There's a question mark in their mind, Lord. And I pray you will draw them to you today, to you. With our heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I have drifted from the Lord. I, I did like Simon Peter. I tried returning to the old life and I didn't catch anything just like them. And I need Jesus today. I want you to know the porch light is always on in God's house. And I want to call you to him today. I want you to return to the Lord. I want you to say, Jesus, today is the day that I'm shaking off the shackles of this guilt and I'm going to let you forgive me and I'm going to move on and get back in the game just like Peter did. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? And let me see you. Don't worry about the people around you. Who cares what they think? Hey, we've all been there. Raise it high. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Raise it high. God bless you. And there's a lot of you God's dealing with. I know it. And how about somebody who say, you know, Jeff, I don't know if I've ever been saved. I just don't know. I wonder when my head hits the pillow at night if I've ever been saved. You can settle the question today. I want you to raise your hand if that's you. If you've got a question mark, settle it. You say, that's me. Slip your hand up and let me see you. All right. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Now I'm going to ask everybody that raised your hand, I want you to forget about everyone in this room. No one matters but you and Jesus today. And as Peter got up and went back into the game, I want you to slip out from where you are and I want you to come down and stand here right in front of me. I'm going to pray with you today. Come quickly. Don't stand there. If you stand there, you're not going to do it. Come out. If you raise your hand, you come now. 
And we're going to wait for you. If you raise your hand to get saved, raise your hand to get right with God. You come and we're going to wait for you. From all over this place, we're going to sing and I'm going to wait on you in Jesus' name.